Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle introduce each other to movies, and uh, in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of May, and we're doing a special event here on the show that we've been calling May is for Monsters. And uh, basically what that means is we've been using each each episode each week to take a look at a creature feature of some sort, um, be that like supernatural monsters or like science-based creatures or... In the case of Underwater, uh, fucking Dagon or Cthulhu or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Um, anyway, though, uh, it is the what the concluding episode for Maze for Monsters. And uh, the pick was to Kyle this week. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle, uh, what did you have us watch this week? I think I picked us a little bit better one this time. Uh, I picked uh, <laughs> Jeepers Creepers from 2001, uh, directed by Victor Salvo. Um, yeah, I chose this one because uh, I don't know if you folks have uh, picked up yet. Kind of emotional with my uh, my movie choices and how I watch them, and what tends to lead me towards a choice. And since Trevor's a good guy, he understands this. Is emotionally, what do I want to watch? And this actually kept my kept me for about three weeks. I'm like, you know what? Let's do Jeepers Creepers because as soon as you said you want to do monster movies, I'm like, I want to go back and revisit Jeepers Creepers because I really liked it when I was younger. I think this was I was like twelve when I twelve or thirteen when I watched this. I remember it being a good time, and I'm like, I wonder if it holds up. Um, it does in a way, I think, hold up, but, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to revisit and see what Trevor thought about it on the revisit. Yeah. Um, I had seen this one before. However, um, I don't know the last time you saw this one, Kyle. Um, the last time I watched this movie was the year it came out. Um, I think it found its way to a premium channel network of some sort, um, probably like a free weekend or something that my parents had mm -hmm. and I, I just kind of watched it on a whim because i was what like 14 at the time or something mm -hmm. and this is kind of a perfect movie for like a early teenage year boy um mm -hmm. and yeah at the time it it was a little bit of a fart in the wind for me to be honest it was it was a turd in the wind <laughs> as as a, a certain tom hardy in a certain movie called venom had once said uh Ugh. it kind of like there's certain images for sure the closing shot of this movie is very memorable and i think that's maybe a huge part of why it resonated with you is i know how you have a you have a boner for certain kinds of endings mm -hmm. um in in your horror slash monster yes, movies yes. and whatnot and uh there's certain images and even on a conceptual level it's kind of neat um it just feels like a low budget horror movie mm -hmm. um and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, absolutely not. Most horror movies are very low budget. However, this is one that, um, upon revisiting, I felt anyway that you could see a little bit of the cut corners here and there. Mm -hmm. And it, it irritated me a little bit. But on the whole, I was actually kind of shocked by how how well made the movie is. It's, yeah, very much. Yeah, it like as as you and I had said before we started recording, it it feels like a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. unlike like what from from the dark definitely felt like not quite a movie no like, it's like we're, it, we're almost a movie it's we're, almost a movie yeah it's that's, almost a yeah. movie <laughs> but but this was like no we have a full orchestra doing the soundtrack we have good shots we have good lighting great like good, lighting well considered lighting where Thank you can you. tell they 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 designed the makeup effects and whatnot to play to the camera in a certain light and there's not a single raggedy shot in the movie aside from some questionable CGI. CGI. But that's there's some CGI. In 2001, 
a low budget horror movie if you have certain things that require cgi there's no way around it yeah um, you, you just can't fix that um but yeah it's it's a movie and even from a structural standpoint it's like it's pretty lean it moves and it's not that bad actually no it's it's a little tame at times like i i I think I said this about every single monster movie we've covered this month, but mm. I think I would have appreciated a little more blood and guts here and there. I mean, we definitely I mean, we did fucking We Are the Flesh, so I think we're we're primed in a different way when we're going into movies. Like that that movie had a lot, a lot of stuff, and we've definitely seen some gory. I mean, we've seen green. We did it fucked up shit month, and I think that kind of like reset what we're uh, capable of enduring because uh, there was quite a bit in there. Um, the other thing that this movie doesn't suffer from that I feel like Rob Zombie's entire filmography uh, suffers from is even the dialogue isn't that bad. Um, there are a couple of scenes where, I, I, like I mentioned right before we started recording, that the uh, like the directors uh, like the, the direction of the actors in some of the scenes is a little strange. Uh, Jez's character um, and there's a, a scene where Justin Long is on the phone and just I'm like I don't understand why they would be talking like this. But the, like the small dot, like the dialogue that they have in the car in the beginning. I mean, you get like what, what what they're doing, kind of what the problem is with them. Learn about their parents a little bit, and it's not like fucking hol- Like I'm sorry, but like Rob Zombie's movies have like the worst dialogue. The Devil's Rejects, uh, Thirty One, I could barely get through uh, because of the dialogue. I actually did not get through it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, disclaimer, um, folks at home, uh, Kyle. When Kyle and I used to work together, we used to, I mean, the the origin of the catching up on cinema tagline came from Kyle asking me, did you catch up on any cinema over the weekend? Um, and 31 was one of those movies that Kyle would just kind of like roll his eyes and go, every time it, it, not every time he brought it up in conversation, but every time it popped into his head, which mm-hmm. was frequent because apparently it, it hurt him on some level. Um, and I, I, I took it as like a personal challenge where I was like, I need to know what this movie did to this man. (laughs) And uh, I tried. I I couldn't do it though, Kyle. (laughs) It's the movie where like I defended Rob Zombie up until that point. I'm like, you know what? I actually like Rob Zombie movies. And then I rewatched 30. Then I watched 31. I'm like, that was awful. I'm like, wait a minute. Are his other movies shit too? And I rewatched a few of them. I rewatched Halloween, (laughs) The Devil's Rejects. And I actually watched for the first time Lords of Salem. And I'm like, oh my God, these are like, they have moments. They have Halloween, especially. I think is probably the best one. It has things that are good about it, but the dialogue is absolute garbage. I will still give him the um, House of a Thousand Corpses for other reasons. Like I just I like what he did with that movie. It's just almost like a big music video with a horror movie spliced into it, which just kind of makes it fun. But yeah, uh, just not good. But yeah, but this uh, it doesn't it doesn't suffer from that as much, and it low budget horror movies can so easily suffer from that oh yeah i mean naturalistic dialogue is you you need to have some measure of talent to pull that off Mm -hmm. Um, because i mean your your actors can spin things to a certain extent but if they have a shit script to work with it's going to show at some point um the only instance of that is like you said the jazz character where she is an exposition dumpster on legs yeah (laughs) yeah like she she's just a walking exposition dump it's that's actually, the only reason she exists in this film. Her name is, uh, the actress is Patricia Belcher. And it's actually, I kind of liked having her play this character because she's one of those character actors that she just, 
She's really good at doing a monotone voice, and it's really funny. So anytime you see her, she's just doing that voice. And here she's like manic and like she's really upbeat. And I'm like, that's kind of nice. I, I, I seeing her like that because she's always so monotone. She's she's swamp mama in this. <laughs> she's swamp mama. But um, credit where credit is due. This film is actually written and directed by Victor Salva. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, right off the bat, like you said, the, the dialogue exchange in the car. Uh, we actually get to spend a decent stretch of time just with these two people speaking to each other as siblings and that's a huge part of the dynamic in this movie is that you're you're following not like a pair of lovers or whatever Mm -hmm. it's a brother and a sister and that creates a unique dynamic that you don't often see in horror movies nobody's trying to fuck each other in this movie, which is a major distinction among horror movies and even the even the decisions made by the characters like they're very like you could easily, if you have a few couples in a cabin or something like that, you could get the one pussy guy who's like, oh, and just runs off and just leaves the one girl there where you've got, you know, Chad or Bill or the main, the, the handsome guy, whatever it is. What what was the one from Scooby-Doo? Freddy? Yeah, Fred. Yeah, Fred. I think the kids call that the, ch- like, there is a, an archetype called the Oh, yes, 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 there is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's so what Fred, I mean. is, Fred is the Chad. Fred. Fred. Well, I like Fred better. Uh especially for horror um the fred but yeah so you but these two they're they're wrapped together like they're they're not going to leave each other and even the motivations of the character uh putting themselves into danger is actually warranted in a movie like this uh because i mean the reason why he gets down into the pit is an accident he's not supposed to be all the way down there and he was actually like you know what maybe that person there was a person and they're still alive and they need our help yeah that that is actually in a unique distinction that you bring up is that these are all pure souls in mm-hmm. this movie for the most part there's no like duplicitous characters who are like oh you gotta keep your eye on him when shit goes down it's like no everyone that you're following in this story is meant to be portrayed as a good person um which again in like slasher movie territory in particular there ain't no good people in those <laughs> movies except for the final girl usually was um, um was matthew lillard good at all in Scream? I remember him being obnoxious, but that's just Matthew Lillard. I mean, he's good at being obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, mission accomplished. But, um, yeah, the the one thing I'll say about the dialogue in the opening of this movie is that the, the teasing that they do between each other does get... Un- it irritates me a little bit. It feels genuine. That's what I actually wrote that down. I'm like, they actually do feel like siblings. Well, I, I put a little caveat in my notes where um, I thought about it for a second. I was like, this is annoying, but if I think of them as like twins or something, mm-hmm. then it fits perfectly. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, I've, I've been in the room for plenty of interactions like this. Um, I only have a brother. I don't have a sister, so I don't know what it's like to, you know, butt heads with a, a, a female sibling. Sub- <laughs> subconsciously, he might have been trying to create a little bit of tension. Lars von Trier is just really good at this especially in antichrist where a lot of the tension early on in the film is the way that the characters talk like the one character talks to willem dafoe like the way they go back and forth it create that like just their dynamic creates uh creates tension in the film and i think that kind of works here too because they do get on your nerves like definitely and them going back and forth well i think mostly it's just to demonstrate closeness yeah like, like just seeing the way they interact with each other before anything goes wrong in the story. It's like, yeah, these, these people know each other inside and out and they're, you know, they have a grudging respect for one another because they've, you know, been with each other their whole lives. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Kyle, that being said, did you want to get into it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, I don't know what the opening credits were. I, uh, what is the font on this thing? Uh, <laughs> um, 2001 yeah. in font form. <laughs> um, uh, before we get rolling though, Kyle, um, did you, did you want to do a plot summary here? Yeah. So a brother and sister are headed home to their parents' house in Florida for spring break. Um, I think, uh, that they're home from college. Uh, I know the sister's home from college. Is he home from college? Do they go to the same school? Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same school, but they're both in college, yeah. Yeah, they're both coming home from college, and uh, they come across uh, a man doing some stuff. They get a little curious, and they end up pretty much crossing him and not being able to escape whatever distance we're covering because there's not even a town there's a gas station in this there's a there's a gas station and a police station that's two things we have an entire county as represented by a diner slash gas station very much (laughs) oh yeah and then an entirely separate county represented by a cat lady's house yeah (laughs) pretty much um but yeah uh jeepers creepers from 2001 written and directed by one victor salva uh, and yeah, this, this font, Kyle. It's I don't know the name of it, um, but it it is very much of its time. Uh, it it wants very desperately maybe to be seven or something. Joyride. I thought of Joyride. Joyride. I can't picture it, but we'll have to look it up after the fact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we get a droning noise over the production logo. So before we even have an image, there's like a sense of dread like washing over the movie. And uh, I noticed uh, one of the production groups was American Zoetrope. And um, if I remember correctly, uh, when we did our Heart, Hearts of Darkness review, mm-hmm. I think Heart, I think American Zoetrope was Coppola's uh, production company. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So his money may have been uh, his $10 million or whatever jump <laughs> change in, in Hollywood terms uh, was what financed this film. Um, but yeah, we get this uh, 2001 font, and the titles slowly lurch towards the viewer. Um, it's a little funky looking. I'm not entirely sure if this was a good idea, but whatever. The movie's called Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> I mean, from a marketing standpoint, that is eye-catching, but I don't know if it makes anyone believe that what they're going to be seeing is going to be objectively good. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, first shot, is uh, it's just like the side of a road. And uh, we fade up from black um, to like grass along the along the side of like a fence on the side of the road, and uh, the shot was pretty cool. Um, this is this is what I'm talking about when this is a movie uh, because we see a car rounding the corner at the edge of the frame in the distance, and then the camera pans over to follow the car and it starts heading towards us down the road, and we can uh, hear dialogue fr- uh, um, from inside the car. And we hear Justin Long's, the dulcet tones of Justin Long. Um, it's like it's like almost Bobcat Goldthwait. I was gonna say times. he's like Bobcat Goldthwait, just flattened out. And remember this, yeah, flattened out. Um, and remember, this is only a few years removed from Galaxy Quest, so. For the most part, Justin Long, I think, was still, like, the nerdy guy he, this in was, terms of his casting. This was before Dodgeball. Dodgeball, I think, was his big one. Yeah, that that would be the big one. And then he had, like, what that... Uh, it wanted so desperately to be PCU, but it was... It was like, oh, the God. 2000s yeah. version of that. Yeah, it's really bad. There's, like, four good jokes in it, but, yeah, it's bad. And even the yeah, ending he, makes... No, like, what? 
like yeah i mean old school was a thing yeah um, <laughs> but anyway uh what, what I'm saying about the technicals of the sequence, though, that really stood out to me is we do this interesting thing where we can hear um, the brother and the sister talking to each other. I think the actress's name is Gina Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, Derry and Trish, or Trisha. And we can hear them bantering back and forth in there, but then the car hits a it, like a dip in the road. So it actually dips underneath where the camera can see because the landscape has a, a dip in it. And then the audio drops out. Mm-hmm. And then a couple seconds go by, and the camera, the car comes back up into the frame, and the audio returns. It's like in the editing room, someone was just like, you know, I'm gonna try this, and holy shit, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, actually, it speaks to the editing style of this movie um, because similar to uh, From the Dark, but not bad, um, they do a lot of things where uh, threats will be in plain sight, but they'll be out of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, at at like the corner of the frame or just like behind the principal actors in the frame or whatever um so in some ways this is i guess like training both your ear and your eye uh, for the rhythm of this movie like how some of the scares will be set up later on um but yeah i, I don't exactly remember the details um of the dialogue that's exchanged here but basically Derry's telling a story about when he was like 15 or something so yeah i can kind of give you the rundown so we get like they've kind of got the radio they're trying to mess with that there's a lot of radio preachers just to kind of signify that you're you know in the bible belt you're down south uh kind of in the sticks and uh they're uh, they we get the he's I, I say twisted metal truck asshole comes up. Like, he actually appears pretty quickly uh, while they're talking. But, yeah, he's just kind of talking about nonsense. Um, and he tries to run him off the road. And he, like, th- this was an interesting scene because I was getting stressed out while this scene was happening. Um, the, the dialogue kind of happens after this because uh, there's a lot of jabber. Like, we have, like, a good 10 well, minutes of jabber. There, there's a, a couple of details that happen during those 10 minutes of jabber that are kind of neat. Where um, they're the the naturalistic dialogue kind of points to the fact that it, it tips you off that oh they're siblings mm-hmm, um, very so much it's like they're not boyfriend girlfriend or whatever it kind of trains you the viewer to expect a certain type of interaction um but they're playing a game in the car because apparently they're driving long distance and uh he points out a license plate on an rv that he yells out gay forever yeah um, where it very clearly says like six a forever basically so it it doesn't say that all but he just you know he's being a young man in 2001 and she calls him on his bullshit and she, not only that she also dresses him down and says that's you broke the rules you don't get points for that mm-hmm. um so right there it, it's like it's interesting because it it communicates to us the viewer that oh they have a reason to be looking at license plates here um which plays into you know the next couple scenes here um, but I noted that the uh, the driver of the RV, when they pass them, uh, looks kind of like a Charles Bronson lookalike, but with a yeah. ponytail and a camo cap. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently she like broke up with her boyfriend or something, and uh, her parents liked him. And it, yeah. it's a whole bunch of nonsense. It's basically, we're just kind of easing into the yeah. movie at some point. Um, but yeah, th- uh, the way the truck arrives, though, is exactly what I was talking about. Those problems that are in plain sight. Uh, because... They're both, the camera's facing the two of them, so the camera's, like, positioned on the hood of the car or whatever. And we can see through the rear windshield, Kyle's gesturing with his palm, pushing it towards the webcam, yeah. showing that 
the the big the beast machine the twisted metal sweet tooth mobile <laughs> or no um, uh, I think it was Blackheart or Darkheart was the semi truck in twisted oh. metal. Um, it's it's like in the center of the frame you can see it through the rear windshield but neither of our principal characters notice it but we the viewer are like it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming <laughs> and then uh holy shit honkapalooza <laughs> yeah he goes fucking nuts he's like they're like trying to let him pass and she's yeah this is so frustrating uh <laughs> When you have, you're trying to take care of something stressful on the road, and then you have somebody yelling at you in the seat next to you, and he's like, "Follow her, follow her." He's like, "Go around," and like he's pulling over, but every time he tries to like move over onto the shoulder a little bit, the truck driver follows him. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny the way it's playing out. It's stressful, but it's like, what the fuck is this idiot's problem? But this goes on for about thirty seconds of them going back and forth honking and. Stressful situation, you know, comes to a halt. Uh, do they run off the road real quick? I, I think he just, like, Pulls pushes over. over to the shoulder, yeah. and then the truck speeds past them. But, yeah, this truck is swerving back and forth. It's, like, you can tell that they were actually going pretty fast while they were filming this. Actually, what's kind of remarkable is that even with a $10 million budget in a horror movie, um, the car work in this movie it's, is actually shot pretty well. <laughs> it's that, I was actually, like... It looks like like Road Warrior. Like it looks good. Like I no, was the angles, the angles, and the cuts here are like from an action movie. Yeah, and and this is a genuinely tense sequence. Uh, yeah, I remember this scene in particular from the first time I watched it. Like I said, when I was like fourteen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's very tense. And I I would imagine in the theater with a loud sound system, the honking would really get to you. Oh, this would be a good. Um, this would be a good theater movie. I didn't get to see it in the theater. Yeah, I, I bet it would have been a lot of fun, like, you know, in high school or whatever. You know, good date movie or good something. Good date movie. But, <laughs> um, but, yeah, as the truck passes, uh, the camera lingers on the license plate for this this rusted, gigantic beast machine of a truck. And uh, we see the iconic license plate um, that reads, Beating You. Uh, yes. B-E-A-T-N-G-U. Beating um, You. Either that or Beat in Goo. <laughs> 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 um, you mentioned the shot of it like dipping down and the audio comes out and then comes back in. It, uh, there's this uh, shot from a, a movie when I was a kid. Um, it was like a like like Christian. It was like one of those Christian movies that are like 40 minutes long, 45 minutes long. And I, I don't remember the movie very well, but I do remember the opening scene is in like the it's in uh, the American Southwest. Looks like maybe like New Mexico or something. And there's this truck kind of similar to this it's like an old like 50s towing truck and you just got the credits and it's what it's doing is there are like four dips in the road so the first dip it goes down and it goes pretty much out of frame except for its back and then it comes back up and then it's a little bit more in frame on the second dip comes back up a little bit more in frame on the third and then on the last one it just like kind of drives on and i always noticed it as a kid it was just like it just kind of dipped down up and down um it just reminded me of that i thought that was kind of cool well, what's also interesting is as you were talking about that, I was I was actually putting some thought into how you achieve that look on film. From a logistical standpoint, that requires some effort. Mm-hmm. Like you you need to get your lensing right, you need to get your focal depth right, you need to actually like set up a shot, yeah. like like a movie, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to just running around with a digital potato <laughs> and just like filming whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, uh, following this traumatic event, uh, 
things get kind of solemn in the car before that we were just kind of dicking around and being rowdy and whatnot but uh i forget which one of them brings it up but we share a story about like a local legend of some sort uh, yeah kenny and i think it was kenny and darla i know darla for sure i, I kind of missed kenny but it was like <laughs> class of like 1978 i guess on this particular stretch of highway um this does teen couple went missing they never graduated or whatever and she they're arguing about like they they only found his head and like no 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 they found everything but his head and they're like no 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 they found his head and he's like no they never found his head it's just put a pin in that um yeah he's <laughs> <laughs> like why are we talking about this yeah it's like, <laughs> for the benefit of the audience but this argue this arguing is what really makes it feel like they they really feel like siblings here the the going back and forth because they're it, it's not he it's it's sibling heated where there's no there's no fists that are going to be thrown it's just like you you're driving me insane well, I mean, the, the banter that I was hinting at earlier comes up right about here, and all I wrote in my notes was, nuh-uh, uh-huh. And they go back and forth for like a good solid 20 seconds, just, nuh-uh, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? Yeah. Garbage man! <laughs> uh, yeah, I call it parents jabber. Um, they, they stop off for a pee break, which I've always noted the way Justin Long is peeing in this scene, it's... At a weird angle, it's like shooting straight down. Straight down. Straight he, down. Yeah, no he is, arch he is to it. Boring a hole directly into to China. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's, like, there's this movie with Whoopi Goldberg where she dresses up. She does like a Mrs. Doubtfire where she dresses up like a man, like a, an, an old white man, and she ends up getting followed to the bathroom by this guy who's trying to get her get his her attention, thinking it's the old man, and uh, she grabs something to pee with, and it's like just this bottle of whatever like a big like uh pint bottle of something and she's like uh-huh yeah and she's like peeing and the guy looks over and it's just glug, 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 like just pouring out of all he's like wow that's impressive <laughs> but yet i don't know why this always bothered me i'm like it's not real he's not really peeing but you could have made it seem like it a little bit better no he's got a empty sriracha bottle that he's squeezing yeah um, pretty much. but uh fun little detail though is that uh both Derry and Trish take a leak yeah. here, and uh, we cut immediately from like he's talking to her while he's peeing, and she's talking back, and then we cut to like tall grass, and then she stands up and pulls her pants up in mm-hmm. the frame. It's like Classy. I don't know if I've ever seen that in a movie. No, I've never <laughs> seen it either, and it really threw me off. I'm like, she just peed back there. I'm like, I've never Whoa. seen that, and I've w- never seen women it in a movie. pee in movies. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, wow. That is that is interesting stuff here. <laughs> this, is like, this is important for film history. I'd never um, seen I'd never seen a penthouse before. So, <laughs> well, what's what's interesting is that I think small details like that actually lend to the the idea of these two characters as siblings. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're comfortable peeing twenty feet from each other in public. That's the other thing. Still holding a conversation. 12-year-old peeing next to a girl. I'm like that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean maybe if they're filling up a water balloon or something. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah. no, other than that. Um but yeah, I we we have a fun exchange here where we head back to the car and she chastises him because he has a bag of dirty laundry in the back of the car and uh he has a comment about bringing home laundry to make mom happy because yeah. she, you know, she misses her kids, empty nest and whatnot. And uh, we is have he Tommy Boy ex- in it? T- 
Tommy is he, Boying at how? Does he have Does he have a garbage bag? Is his stuff in a garbage bag? Absolutely, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, what What do you do? <laughs> um, but we have more. We have more exchanges of uh, sibling dialogue, dick licker, butt picker, whatnot. Yeah. Um, but uh, before uh, things escalate, before the the plot kicks in, essentially, um, we have a another weird detail here where. Uh, sis kind of like calls a timeout in the conversation in the middle of their their bickering and she says like oh you have you not noticed that mom's really unhappy and then oh i guess we're done with that conversation but again like you said the scripting like the the dialogue is a little more than you would expect from this Mm -hmm. kind of movie um and i appreciate layers like that it's like it makes you makes you get more invested because it 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 leaves a question mark hanging there where it's like, oh, what about mom? Oh, monster. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, before we can get into it, uh, we have this really cool tracking shot where it's from the from Justin Long's POV in the driver's seat, and it's like this car driving by angle, so it's a tracking shot. And it's also shot at a great distance, like several hundred feet, and we see the beating you truck parked at a church like a boarded up church and then we see a figure dressed as the undertaker mm-hmm. um, like literally the undertaker mm-hmm. um pitching some bloody uh human vaguely human. human shaped bags <laughs> down a pipe it could not be any more of a human being thrown like it's 100 <laughs> percent. this is a big trailer shot and i remember seeing the trailer for this a lot when i was younger uh I, there were several shots in here i'm like trailer trailer shot trailer shot um, this was pretty creepy, and this was, I remember this being really effective when I was a kid watching it, like, oh, that's, that's kind of creepy. Uh, well, he, again, this, he's, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, again, this, this calls back to that idea of, of threats in plain sight, because mm-hmm. what makes this so chilling is that we can actually see him in mm-hmm. daylight, and we can see exactly what he's doing, but he's several hundred feet away from us, and we're moving away from him, so it creates like a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. But what really makes it work is that after he's pitching the shit down the pipe, he he locks Look, eyes with the camera directly, at and just him. like he's like, "I see you." And he's yeah. like, "Oh, he sees me." <laughs> Good thing we're in a car. <laughs> Keep uh, driving. So we we have this tracking shot where we we have beating you. Who Kyle? Are we gonna call him the creeper? Um, I think I think canonically that's what he's referred yeah, to. Yeah, the creeper. I don't think that phrase is ever said in this entire movie, though. No. Uh, mm. Maybe in the sequels, because there are two sequels for this movie. I'm fine with the creeper. Sure. Uh, it, just to make it easy. Because um, in my notes, actually, I'm calling him beating you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, um, I think I call him the creature. The creature. Uh, okay. Either way. Well, I mean, the, the listeners will know who it is. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, we we have the scene where he locks eyes with us as we're driving by, and uh, both siblings notice this, and they're a little freaked out. So we we conspire to pull out Justin Long's cell phone and Dude. try to make a call. <laughs> this is two thousand one. First of all, don't put that thing up to your head. Uh, <laughs> two, I'm like, there is one hundred percent. I guarantee you that cell phone is never gonna work. It's yeah. never Have you seen work. the road we're on? No, <laughs> no. There are no towers like within hundreds of miles of here. No. Um, but yeah, I, we get the first instance of the score for this film uh, kicking into high gear. And uh, you you had texted me um, right after I finished the film. Like I think you said something about how about that music? How about that music? <laughs> um, 
Uh, this was composed by one uh, Bennett Salve. Uh, not a not a name I am at all familiar with, but um, yeah, you are totally right to point that out because the the score for this movie uh, makes itself apparent and it does not disappoint. It's a full orchestra, which in a ten million dollar, like you know, a modestly budgeted horror film directed by a mostly unknown director, um, that's kind of a big deal. And this the music is quite good. And uh, yeah, the, this uh, it's almost too kick- good. That, that, yeah, actually, you're right. It, it, it is a little too good. <laughs> it is. I mean, we don't, whatever that, there's some kind of instrument, like some kind of giant instrument that they use. It's like for all the creaking and crazy horror movie noises that we have, contemporary horror. I don't know how long ago they made that thing, um, but I they didn't use it for this. This is, this is a movie. People will be coming out to the theater. We need an orchestra. Well, Kyle, we'll get to a certain sequence in this film that um, I remember without having referenced my notes. I mean, I watched this movie today, but um, I know there is one of my notes that reads indescribably lame. <laughs> um, and it's stuff like that, that that makes the orchestra soundtrack maybe maybe the wrong choice. Where it's <laughs> like, if you're going to put that in the movie, maybe maybe dial back the music a bit. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe get John Carpenter, like a drunk John Carpenter to like just like diddle a keyboard and like give you a couple beats here and there <laughs> there there's your music give me money what if this had um, like the like some kind of like droning synth on it do you think that would make it a little more eerie um it would have made the monster have more presence yes i think that would have been nice um that is kind of a weird aspect of this movie is that the monster appears it doesn't stalk it just kind of shows up um which i I don't actually like that much. I like when a monster kind of is, it feels like it's there even when it's not like, like the first alien, for example, mm-hmm. that's a monster is on screen very little. Um, but when you're walking up and down the dark corridors of the Nostromo, you are like, Oh fuck. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it could literally be anywhere. <laughs> you know what I was thinking is one of the things I, I love about Terminator two. You remember that, that locust or that cicada drone, uh, only when the uh, T-1000 is on screen, like that. Yeah, that's his theme music. <laughs> I'm going to watch um, it again soon. I mean, it's always worth a watch. Like, that that's one of those movies. See, Kyle, um, to the folks at home, Kyle, like he said at the top of this recording, um, he's he's like a storm. You got Like, his, his moods change with the yeah. winds. <laughs> and I, I encourage that. It's like, if, you know... If you're being blown that way, just, just, just do it, man. Just go for it. <laughs> but Kyle also has a thing when it comes to movie choices, and it's seasonal. Mm-hmm. Kyle is Kyle is one with the seasons of yes, the winds. very much. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, The Thing is a winter film. Correct. I just Jurassic rewatched Park our... is a Jurassic the... Park is a rainy film. Yep, spring. Uh, it's a spring film. Spring or summer. And... I would argue that T two is an anytime film. <laughs> a little more summer for me. I think it, I think it works better in the summertime. So it's I mean it's hot as fuck here now. Like it's it is eighty degrees and humid today. Yeah, so. good point. The, the early portions of that film, the Galleria, the Galleria. <laughs> it's funny. I was talking to somebody who used to live in L A the other day, mm-hmm. and like, I remember them bringing the Galleria up, and I just said it back to oh, them. You, yeah, you have a, to in a quizzical tone. And they were like, what are you doing? I was like, oh. 
<laughs> you just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, if I'm ever if I'm ever in the area where people say the Galleria, I'm gonna the Galleria. If I hear somebody passing me, I'm like, excuse me, did you say the Galleria? And then just walk away. <laughs> hey, I think I saw that kid you were looking for. Hey, <laughs> get out of here, Budnick. <laughs> anyway, better movie. Uh, better. Um, <laughs> not that this is an awful movie. No. Not nearly. Not nearly. No. Um, but yeah, uh, the orchestra kicks in because um, the creeper hops into his his into his beast truck and uh, gives chase. I said uh, I had I had a thought of why we went with uh, orchestra. Uh, I don't think like a droning synth or creepy music would have worked over the the, the car chasing because that's a significant a portion of this movie is the like the car chasing. Gotcha. So yeah, I, that 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 makes sense to me. It'd be hard to like jump back from creepy music to big music. Like I think it just works better throughout the film if you just keep it like that. No. Yeah, and Sorry. this is not the kind of movie that should have an inconsistent score. Like, if no. you were to, like, dip into synth ter- territory during certain sequences, that, that's actually another strike against this movie in some ways, is um, it it uh, lays the groundwork or, like, lays down some breadcrumbs for some set-piece moments that, um, actually, I, I did a little bit of reading up on the production for this movie. Um, apparently, uh, the original idea in the script for the climax of this movie I think you know where um, was pushed into the second movie because oh, they really? didn't have the money for it, and Wait, it shows it? Um, the police station. Oh, because okay. that that I mean that's Terminator One right there. Yeah, like, the whole setup for that. We even get to see people spring into action and like armor up and stuff. It's like, oh, is this going to be a tasty sequence? It's like, we have ten million dollars, man. Like, yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> nah. not going to be nothing. It's it's we're going to have one cool kill and then peace. Mm-hmm. We're done. Um, so I guess it was just one of those things that's like a budgetary limitation, but it results in a movie that kind of, um, it does have some scare moments, but it doesn't have like, like the, the prototypical example that I've thrown at you a couple of times, um, is Indiana Jones truck chase. Mm -hmm. If I say truck chase, everybody who has seen Indiana, everybody who's seen Raiders, it's shorthand. I can just say truck chase. Everybody can play the whole scene back to themselves. And like Terminator One, I just said police station. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but this is an example of a movie where it's like, there's a couple of cool moments, but there's no like set pieces where it's like, oh, that was like a, a really crazy five minute stretch of just like whoa. Mm-hmm. But again, ten million dollars. Um, but yeah, long story short, uh, he gives chase, and holy fuck, that is a fast truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's got Nas in there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Vin Diesel. <laughs> Golden Nas. <laughs> he blew it too early. That's why. That's why he zipped past him. <laughs> but um, if, he rams them like three times in the rear bumper, and they go off the road finally. If you if people have wedding songs, friends can kind of have wedding movies where it's like that's that's your guys's movie. I have a friend of mine like this. That's our movie. Like we know it front to back because we've seen it so many times. We both agree it's awful, and we can quote the hell out of it, and we can use it for anything. Basically, what, Fast and Furious. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, excuse me, the Fast and the Furious. The Fast and the Furious. Yes, yes. the first one. <laughs> yes, um, I I enjoy those movies. I know you kind of like decided. I don't need to be associated with anyone who has ever even no. been even looked at those movies. No, no I don't even need to. Not even. Not even. If you drew breath on the set of a Fast and Furious movie, nah, no, I don't need. I don't need you in my life. Don't need um, it. Yeah, but for the record, I enjoy them. Um, they're definitely oh, a lot definitely, of people do. 
the problem with that franchise is that it has crested hard. (laughs) (laughs) They've got too much Nas in it, dude. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. See, the the Nas is out. Like, the tank is empty, and we're just kind of coasting. The engine blew a long time ago, but we're still coasting. Johnny Tran is in the next fucking town, and fucking Jesse is still like, oh, man. That's the franchise. (laughs) It's like, oh, man, we've been rolling for, like, 15 years man oh by the way if you ever look for a new job i think you should just walk in with a with a picture of the rock and just you have that as your resume nothing else just the picture of the rock and they're like your resume is just a picture of the rock you're like you're hired <laughs> i like you kid <laughs> like your spirit you got goals you got goals um, um but yeah we we get kicked off the road we go through a wooden fence and a car kind of grinds to a halt here and we have a funny bit um, at least i thought it was funny because i was like yeah that'd be me uh where the two siblings are looking at this car and justin long is like trying to fix the the trunk like because it's popped and permanently and uh, uh he just comments like just kind of lazily like mm, sounds all right and she's like like either of us would know, know. <laughs> <It's pretty good. laughs> and for me it's like yeah that, that would be me because i don't know shit about cars mm-hmm. um but um, at this point, uh, after we fixed up the car and we've proven that it still runs, uh, Derry, Justin Long, he kind of decides that he wants to go back. Like he 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 kind of puts it to his sister, and he's like, "I there's a possibility that those vaguely, well, not even vaguely, those explicitly those human dead shaped bodies, bags yeah, <laughs> could be body. <laughs> they could be humans, and maybe someone needs our help. And it, what's funny here is that she." she right off the bat is assuming that he's just doing it for the lols like he's he's like full of shit and he just wants to see something crazy yeah um but actually like i don't know if it's a problem with his delivery of the lines or whatnot but he he comes across as very sincere he does yeah um so it's kind of shocking that he's so far i think actually his nickname when they're in the car not for the rest of the film but i think she calls him brat um when they're in the car and it's pretty obvious that she's like the big sister between mm-hmm. the two of them, even if they're the same age. Um, but it was kind of shocking to see him be like the the more sincere person, like the the more virtuous of the two in this particular situation. Well, but, I, I I disagree with him wanting to go back. If I was driving and I saw what I thought was a guy dumping bodies uh, down a well, I'm like... I'm going to find the police. Like, sorry, person. I'm not putting myself in danger as much as I want to help you. But I don't have a gun or any kind of weapon. And I don't know what I'm getting myself into. So I'm going to do what I think is best. I'm going to go get the police. Which is what I think she's leaning towards. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, and not only that. This this person who is pitching these bodies down this hole uh, has an armored vehicle that's faster than yours. And has tried to take your life twice. It has zero (laughs) disregard for your life. So. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, she's a hundred percent right. And I have. It's just <laughs> kind of shocking that he would suggest this in the first place. I want to kill you, and you don't even know shit yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I'm just on one today, <laughs> so like, yeah, <laughs> maybe like, don't go I'm back. I'm not on the schedule to do nothing until 45 minutes into this motherfucker. <laughs> I'll kill you later. <laughs> you should do that, like, as he's driving away from them. Just stick his head out. And say, I'm gonna kill you later. <laughs> I'm picturing him laughing his ass off when he's doing both, like chasing them both times, <laughs> just cackling like crazy. Actually, I think that would have been kind of cool, Kyle. See, um, actually, this is a good time to bring it up. Have, have you seen the sequels? 
um, two and three. I do. I feel like I started to watch the second one, or I got dangerously close to renting it, and the reviews for it just kind of just kind of kept me. When you when you're getting into certain kinds of movies, you kind of have to look at the reviews to see is this bad enough to actually watch. Is it decent enough to watch, or is this just, it's not even worth your time? And I was getting more of, it's not even worth your time. But if you, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I was just curious if, if like, his behavior or, like, his characterization changed in the sequels. Because one thing that, like, as you were talking, like, in my mind, that could have been kind of cool. Because mm-hmm. it's hinted that he's not humanoid, but mm-hmm. he, he, kind of like it from the Stephen King story uh, he portrays himself he like projects an image of like having a human silhouette because he's I don't know kind of it's almost like a, a mocking like a it's it's almost like he's parodying that of a human mm-hmm. um, it would be funny if he did like a predator kind of thing where he like just kind of like has strange behavior like like maybe a, a laugh or a cackle or something mm-hmm. but other than that like throughout this movie he just kind of hisses and and screams and stuff he's he's behaves like a monster but he's shaped vaguely like a human mm-hmm. um but it would be funny if like he did stuff like that like like imitated a laugh but not 100 mm-hmm. percent right where it's like that's weird sounding and in, in the creepy way yeah or like maybe he tries to do again like the predator thing where like he tries to mimic someone debate them or something and it just sounds wrong <laughs> it's like yeah. you, you got to work on that maybe you should maybe you should tear someone's vocal cords out next time <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like i know they're not tasty but it would it would come in handy <laughs> um but yet we crossfade back to uh the house or I, I wrote it in my notes as the house it's a church it's a church um it's a church and actually this um kind of like kicks off a trend i noticed with the editing there are a lot of crossfades a lot of instances where the image fades into a different setting kind of Uh, but yeah uh, the church uh, we arrive there via crossfade and uh, the the score is mysterious and subtle and uh, all the windows are boarded up and there are crows everywhere Um, and basically uh, sis um, trish she keeps mentioning that like yeah, I'll take you to the church. I'm not going anywhere near it. I'm Mm-mm. staying in the car. Yeah. Um, but as soon as Justin Long opens the door, she's like, fuck it, I'm coming with. <laughs> and it's like, oh, they love each other. Um, and then we come up to the pipe, and uh, Derry, he, uh, he wants to take a look down there, and he says he can see down there. We, the viewer, cannot. <laughs> it's like, you're full of shit. Like, I don't know what kind of vision you have, Justin Long. It's like, I see something down there. It's like, yeah, you see darkness. <laughs> it's the absence no. of light. What he sees um, is rats. Yeah, uh, he sees rats. And uh, we have a really nice bit, though. Um, again, in the theater, probably would have been really cool. Like, um, if you had a date with you, this is where they'd snuggle. Because um, mm-hmm. we have this shot looking up from down the pipe. And the camera is very far from the exit of the pipe. So, it's like, we have this little ring of light where we can see um, backlit, like, dairy and trash. And then they walk away after yelling down the pipe a few times, and a couple of seconds pass, and we we just hear this like, eh, like just like a it sounds like a whimper of some sort, and then Derry runs back in front of the pipe and he starts yelling down there again, um, and then we have a bit where uh, he insists on her holding him by the ankles as he lays down in the pipe with a flashlight trying to again call out to whoever might be down there, and then uh yeah rats man 
Like, I don't know that this reaction was warranted, Kyle. I don't know how you do rats. Oh, no, 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 no. This is how I would freak out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kyle doesn't do rats. Oh, no, 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 no. I would have been, I, I would have already kicked her in the boob on the, like, she would already be on the ground writhing in pain because I jumped out of there so quickly. No, dude, if I'm face to face with a rat, I'm freaking out. Not okay. happening. Du- duly noted. Kyle yeah. does not do rats. My, my now, dad is actually the same way. <laughs> I was going to say, mice, not so much, but if you surprise me with a mouse, then yeah, I'm not, I don't like that. But rats, uh-uh. Um, I think that this would have played out a little bit better if they would have, if something would have, if she would have been like teasing him about something like rats, like, you know I hate rats or something like that. Like uh, like Indiana Jones, he's like, dad never would have made it past the rats. He's scared to death of them. It's well, a little something. What could have made it work better is if he like, if she was teasing him and he looked back at her to like yell at her and then he turned his head back and then it was like <laughs> right in front yeah. of him like right up in his fucking grill um but yeah he starts kicking and uh, she falls backwards and she lets go of him and he slides down the pipe and we get a very strange shot yeah a very strange shot Kyle. i think they dropped his ass <laughs> it looked like they dropped his ass um probably via a wire rig which mm-hmm. um needs to be said this movie had a wire team mm-hmm. um, because it it was 2001. The Matrix had come out a couple years before. Crouching Tiger, Drag- Crouching Tiger, Tiger. and Dragon had come out the year before. Wires were a thing. Yeah. Um, so Justin Long gets like a wire gag credit well, on his resume. I think they were already going to have the wires there for a, a scene later. There's a There are a couple of instances mm-hmm. of wire gags There's in this some movie, wires in all this of one. which should be omitted from the film but yes. they're here it was 2001 charlie's angels i think came out 2001 around there too so hollywood was in love with wire foo in the 2000s um anyway yeah this, this shot is very strange because it, it's looking straight down at a justin long uh who's laid out and it looks like he's already on the ground but he's screaming and there's no sound and he falls about like six inches onto his back onto the dirt and it, it just it, the way it's framed is just so bizarre looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he is down the pipe now, and we have an argument. Uh, him down the pipe and Trish up above, and uh, he yanks one of his sleeves off of his shirt to bandage his hand, which he scraped. And uh, at this point, he starts exploring down there. And Kyle, what does he find? He finds this is where his like. Um... It, it's a little bit better later, but he's kind of in shock, or like, kind of freaked out because it's a body. It's for sure a body, and uh, he goes up to kind of nudge it with his foot, and it grabs him, and he's like, "Oh shit, this person is still alive." He rips off the like the bag to reveal what looks like Stuart Townsend <laughs> with a short haircut. Honestly, he looks like Stuart Townsend. Um, I mean, it's a handsome young man with blue lips. <laughs> blue lipstick on um uh yeah so he's trying to mutter something to him like you are there's another skywalker or something like i can't like he's just <laughs> there is another <laughs> but i think what he's trying to say is kill me uh because he's gonna die soon he is he has it doesn't look bad but it like it just doesn't really carry any weight to me anymore uh he's basically from just below the chest all the way down his um his abdomen is he's been sewn up so we can assume that he's been uh you would say maybe his organs have been harvested like if you don't know that you're getting into a creature feature at this point you're like oh he was you know organs were harvested but he dies pretty quickly 
and Justin Long is like in hor- like just like in shock and he's just like goes back to the hole and he's like hey Trish you need to get help like call the police I think this is kind of a man like he's kind of manic at this point and he's not telling her anything and mm-hmm. she's getting really pissed at him too he's like you're freaking me out what the hell's happening he's like just go to the road flag somebody down to get help by the way uh, he mentions that he's like, I haven't seen a car in 50 miles, so like we're really in the sticks. Yeah, and what's interesting about that comment that she hasn't seen, nobody's seen a car in a little while here. Um, they kind of fuck up here, or at least she does. Um, uh, but yeah, she, she's above, and uh, the, cra- the crows all start laughing at her. Mm-hmm. That was a nice little touch. Um, and meanwhile, Derry is down in this basement area, and he finds many more bags of bodies. Um, he doesn't them because that would cost money because that's more makeup effects that need to be done mm-hmm. um but he finds like all manner of rusty tools and surgical implements and white like copper wires and like ampoules and bottles full of various colored liquids and apparently ronnie james dio's cutting board mm-hmm. <laughs> because it looks very much like the dio demon like um it's a very large slab of wood with a demon carved into it um, and we get a really cool moment, maybe the coolest moment in the movie, um, in some ways, where he bends over to tie his shoes. And uh, we, again, uh, this theme of something hiding in plain sight, uh, as he's bent over the camera, we can see over his shoulder, uh, slightly out of focus, but rapidly coming into focus, um, the entire room behind him, like the entire ceiling, is uh, adorned with bodies, which Blow have been balls. like... <laughs> Stra- strapped to the ceiling basically yeah i remember this was the this was like the um this was the moment i remember watching it as a kid i'm like holy shit like i had never seen anything like this in a movie before i'm like i had seen seven at this point in my life and that was pretty messed up but this is fucking insane uh it does not it does not look very good on hgtv now um it's very clearly like dummies and it looks like a few blow-up dolls too like some of them yeah just don't look very good um but a few of them like some of them have genitalia on them some of them don't uh but if you're watching this on like vhs or like tvs back in the day this totally works and it, it's totally a chilling scene um yeah it's pretty fucking creepy but yeah this is a really cool shot hiding in plain sight interesting theme i think uh one of the one of the things that this film does really well is uh, it shows a degree of restraint. And again, that might be partially due to budget, but um, I know many people in the horror community have a lot of respect for that. Where it's mm-hmm. like sometimes the, the scariest things are the things you don't see. Um, like the, the images that you conjure up in your own mind are, are the scariest things, which is you know why Lovecraft gets so much praise for omitting a lot of description just kind of describing things indescribably Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yes very much but um what's interesting about this is he doesn't like erupt into like histrionics or anything he just kind of turns around because uh, some some fluid drips onto his shoe and he has an excuse to look up after that so he sees it we see it and he doesn't like start screaming or like thrashing around he just kind of like goes into shock and takes it all in and what's really interesting is that um, we hold on it, like like we don't cut away from it for a good solid few seconds. And it's this is that's the kind of thing that I don't know that many other movies would would do. Mm-hmm. Like like a different director would do things like 
ram the camera like do the sam raimi kind of thing yeah. or, or like even like indiana jones like like when uh when they're in the tomb and uh like uh she runs into all the mummies down there and stuff and like the camera like goes right up into their faces and like stuff like that that's mm. like lots of energetic cuts and camera shots and stuff but no it's just like a static shot and we just drink it in um meanwhile though trish is up on the surface level and she's waiting for traffic that just won't come um and we cut back to Derry, and uh, he finds a pair of corpses which mm-hmm. are holding hands and uh, they have been stitched together uh, so these people are not going anywhere they're they are a pair and uh we know we the viewer note that the woman's head has been severed at some point but has been sewn back on and uh also i think the guy has a class ring on it mm-hmm. which I don't think the name of the school was ever told to us, but given the story that was relayed to us earlier, we can piece together that, oh, that that, uh, local legend was apparently true. Um, And we're looking at them right now. It needs to be said, all these corpses, um, maybe it was an attempt to, like, hide the fact that they don't look that great, Um, but they almost look like they've been shellacked or something, like they have... So, something to preserve them like yeah. a, a coating or a layer of, of wax or something to to keep them from deteriorating um but yeah they're very much fake dead bodies yes um but the the big uh, party foul that i was talking about was uh, trish um up above again we have another instance of something out of focus in the distance approaching in clear view for the viewer but it totally obscured to the to the principal cast She's looking the opposite direction as we see the headlights of a truck, which has a very similar silhouette to the the beast machine, the beating you truck. And this truck gets close enough to the point that she only starts to hear it when it's pretty nearby and she can't start her car. Which is bullshit, by the way, because this is like a 1950s farm truck. Like, it's not a fucking hybrid. Like, you would hear this thing coming. Again, I think that's a clever trick on the part of the editor because mm. it doesn't make a peep it doesn't until make a it's peep, right no. on top of her. Um, and, yeah, she tries to hop into the car and turn the key, and she, like, throws this fit where she's like, come on, come on, come on, like, and she can't get going. Um, but just as the truck is passing, it comes into full focus, and it's revealed both to her and us, the viewer, at the same time that, oh, that's not beating you. That's just some other truck. Which means she missed an opportunity yeah. to flag down a truck. <laughs> well, she was so freaked out in that moment that, like, when she realizes it's not him, she doesn't have a second before Justin Long just bam uh, smashes onto the windshield. And we get another trailer um, jump scare. It was a trailer shot jump scare. So even when I was watching the movie the first time, I'm like, he's about to jump. He's about to jump. There he is. So it didn't <laughs> even work. Um, but yeah, he just has this. He's just like like. He's clearly in shock, but like he's not even talking. He's just like staring at her, freaking her out. You know, um, I think they they hop into the uh, they hop into the car and they're uh, going to town, and he's just not saying anything really. Yeah, he goes at least five minutes without saying a word, and mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's kind of again it shows some restraint on the part of the filmmaker where it's like he doesn't flip out, he doesn't like get all manic and go like Shia LaBeouf Transformers on her. (laughs) (laughs) He does the complete opposite where he, he's just unable to communicate anything because he can't quite process what he just had thrown at him. And uh, it's, it's effective. It's, it's kind of chilling, especially because, you know, these are two people that we've already seen. They're very, very close. Like, it's like, what, what the fuck happened that we Mm. can't talk to each other right now. 
And not only that, um, the movie only has two characters so far. And it's very unusual to have a movie not even at the halfway point and to have literally half of your cast stop talking. <laughs> like It's like, okay, um, it's going to be that kind of movie. I didn't realize Jeepers Creepers was an art house film. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, we hit the road, and uh, I think we see that Derry took the class ring. Um, oh, I didn't catch that. He has, I don't know if it's his own maybe, but he has a class ring. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we start to get low on gas, and uh, it's decided that we need to pull into the next town. And Derry finally breaks the silence on his part at some point. He, he just kind of mutters to himself, she, she did lose her head. Darla lost her head, just like they said. And a crossfade to us pulling into a diner for gas. And uh, the moment we get out of the car beating you, passes by on the on the road so the creeper drives past them doesn't stop um but just as you know we reach some form of civilization in the form of potentially other people um our sense of security goes right out the window because holy shit he's right there he's mm-hmm. not that far behind us if we didn't pull in just now he may have been right on top of us and i was really shocked that when we step into this diner it's fucking popping man yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this is a busy ass diner well so where i'm at uh this uh there's a gas station um kind of down the road a ways like um i can go to we have a, a town just like five minutes away i can drive to but in the opposite direction it's a while before we get to the next one so there's this gas station right in the middle and i think a lot of people commute you know there and back this gas station is always packed full of people packed full it's all like construction workers a lot of blue collar dudes getting lunch from like the gas station so if i if you go there anywhere between 11 and 1 i mean you're standing in line for a minute before you before you're getting before you're gonna check out uh so yeah i can completely believe in a place like this yeah this diner's definitely popping there's probably not a lot to not a lot to eat around there well, what's interesting is how ordinary it comes across because mm-hmm. I mean that makes sense that makes perfect sense to me, but not in a movie. I'm um, not in this kind of movie where we've only had two characters up till now and it almost feels like it's going to be like from the dark where this is like an isolation kind of story. Yeah. Where it's like it's just the two of them versus the creeper. It's like actually no wait, the world is the world we inhabit. Mm-hmm. Like this this is just a normal small town. These people and this monster just happen to be cruising through it. Um, which was kind of interesting. Like I was not expecting them to walk in there and have it be packed. Um, but yeah, Derry is com- is in complete shock still. Um, he's unable to do anything but quiver. And uh, Trish kind of tries to get like the wait staff to help her out. Like we need to call the cops. Where's your phone? And like everybody in there just responds almost like you would expect them to in real life. Where it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this doesn't happen here. Hang on a sec. Let me check. Yep. It's closed. <laughs> That's the, the reaction that they're getting. Um, 22 Dar- miles. <laughs> 22 miles away. Uh, so, Derry's shirt, he has enough blood and his shirt is messed up enough that I think that you would get a little bit more of a reaction out of these people than that. Like, you'd get a honey baby sweetie child, what's wrong? Like, from somebody. <laughs> what happened? Not only that, he has a rose tattoo on his, his navel, though. So maybe also, they saw yeah. that and they were like, oh, I'm not talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I had somebody say something to me at work today. Uh, he he, uh, he was in his, you know, political gear, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, he was wearing that. And he asked about uh, guns. I'm like, yeah, the store's not going to be carrying guns for much longer. He's like... 
Democrats and homosexuals just t- taking over. I'm like, damn, dude. I'm like, okay. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, so we're not carrying that anymore. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all come back now. <laughs> Y'all come back now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, out of nowhere, though, the payphone in the diner. The payphone in the diner. The payphone. By the way, for you young listeners, a payphone was a phone that they had in random places that you would pay uh, 35 cents to talk to somebody for 15 fucking seconds before you had to put another 35 or 75 cents in to talk to them for another 15 seconds. Hey, you would use these round, flat, metallic objects Mm -hmm. that you would put into the machine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then and you, would, you would actually touch physical buttons. <laughs> someone would teach you how to uh, get rid of the get rid of the money. Like you can actually uh, kick the money back out before the machine takes it. And it's not true. It's it was not possible. I tried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Trish. Um, after it's been ringing for a while, she decides. I think actually one of the patrons just says, "Anybody gonna get that?" <laughs> and and uh, Trish is near the phone, so she grabs it. And uh, holy oh. shit, the person on the other end. I think the first thing they say is, "Have you seen the cats yet?" <laughs> I would have hung and up immediately. It's like, ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> I thought I had problems already. Um, I I guess there's more. Yeah, they um, treat it like they made eye contact with a homeless person and you're in it now. Like, no, 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 you can hang up the phone <laughs> if somebody starts up this. Yeah, this is where I was like, this is a weird interaction. So, yeah, do you, do you remember all that she says? Like, she's, it's, so go ahead. This, this old woman, um, just based on what she's saying, she, she uh, confirms a lot of details that she shouldn't know. Um, she met, She basically lists off a lot of things that, we the viewer and our principal cast have seen but this person whoever they are clearly could not have been witness to so this person it's pretty obvious they're like clairvoyant or something yeah and it's later confirmed that yes that's 100 percent exactly what she is um <laughs> i did have a little chuckle that she's talking to dairy on the phone at this point because i think they hand the phone back and forth between the two siblings and uh, she mentions that it's like I saw I saw you in the basement. He calls it his house of pain. Yeah, that's <laughs> and I was like, bad. jump around. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Anytime I hear house of pain, I'm like, oh yeah, you mean Everlast? <laughs> it, but yeah, she she lists off a lot of details about things that Justin Long bore witness to that she apparently did as well. And he's like, have you been following us? Are are you the person that's chasing us? What the fuck is this? Um. Basically, she's, as we had mentioned earlier in the recording, this this character exists to dump exposition. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what she's doing here. Um, and we cut to the interior of her home. So we can still hear her having the conversation. We don't see her at this point, but obviously we're in her living space. And the camera kind of like glides across her living room. And uh, we see a Jeepers Creepers vinyl somewhere in her home. And uh, she makes mention of the fact that... Uh, Again, she's not seen at this point, but she makes mention on the phone that if you hear the song Jeepers Creepers, you run. Mm-hmm. And to that, Derry, I guess that was the last straw. His response is, fuck you, lady. Fuck you, lady. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has one, one line. He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, she just reiterated what you did. Like, she knows you. That's what she's talking about. I don't know. It was just a little over the top. And his phone acting, he's like, 
what? Like just his body language, like he's just moving as far as the phone will take him in every direction. Yeah, see, you can't see it at home, but Kyle is uh, gesticulating wildly and thrashing yes. around quite a bit. Um, if he was in the movie Phone Booth, if you if, Phone Booth, phone booth. Um, if yes. he was in the movie Phone Booth, um, the soundtrack for that movie would just be. <laughs> It would just be him crashing around yeah. inside the phone booth. He's like, I can't hear the dialogue. Justin Long keeps banging into things. <laughs> um, but yeah, the cops actually do arrive. Um, so maybe we have a, a sense of security creeping into the film. No. Um, and the sun is going down at this point, so apparently we had to wait a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it needs to be said, all everything we've seen in the movie so far has taken place in the daytime which it, it takes a particular kind of movie to make daytime stuff scary. Um, but yeah, the cops are here, and uh, Justin Long whips his shirt off, shows that he does indeed have abs. Um, apparently yeah. he, was, he, he works out. He's a skinny guy. The, these are... He's wiry. He's wiry. <laughs> these were not earned abs. These are just abs. He just has them. You can just see his abdominals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, he gets a wardrobe change, thank God, because he did—he did look stinky. Yeah. And uh, missing that sleeve and having an his navel exposed. Yeah. I get why they did that because by the time we get to the end of the movie, that is actually a fun little detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that shirt looked ruinous. It looked dirty and awful yeah. to be around. Um, anyway, we have two cops, one of which has some bushy eyebrows, and mm-hmm. one of which is a, a lady cop. Um, who looks tougher than Eyebrows Cop. Yeah, very much. <laughs> um, and they are skeptical. Uh, they don't believe these kids. Um, and basically, Justin Long tries to like plead with them and explains, like, this is what I saw. You need to go there. You need to go there. You need to go there. And uh, surprisingly enough, actually, the cops do follow through. Yeah. Um, that's a nice little detail that, uh, again, we didn't have the money to show. But at the very least, there are some lines in the script that, that point to the fact that the cops actually did follow through, which is kind of neat. Um, and yet again, we have an instance of something going on in the back of the frame. So in the foreground, we have Eyebrows Cop interrogating Justin Long. But if you're paying attention, you can see all these blurry shapes of people in the diner gathering at the window behind him. And he's in the middle of this conversation, and we, the viewer, should be, unless you're me anyway, paying attention to what he's saying and but for me it's just like why are they all going over there (laughs) and uh sure enough uh everybody gathers at the windows and they say hey what the fuck is that and uh we all run outside like the cops and justin long and uh gina phillips and uh turns out that uh, their car has been ransacked and we get some sam raimi-esque cinematography where the camera zooms into a bunch of clothes that have been thrown on the ground <laughs> yeah justin long is like yeah, somebody broke into the car and uh, the cops there and they're looking at the hand like looking at the hands like can you dust that for prints and the cops like it looks like somebody already has and he kind of like rubs it it looks like there's some kind of something on there like uh maybe somebody dusted for prints or maybe somebody grabbed the handle but yeah they're like huh weird and uh <laughs> and like let's go let's go to this church and uh it's nighttime now. It's 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 full blown nighttime, and they're kind of having a conversation, like kind of going back and forth. Justin Long is like, "You don't believe me, do you?" Like he kind of mentions it in the diner. I think they're kind of having that conversation now, and she's just like, "I I mean, maybe you saw that. I don't know." Um, but the uh, the cops are actually on the horn with uh, uh, dispatch or whatever, 
And like, we're heading to this church and they're like, uh, I don't know what those kids told you, but this church is on fire. So we're like, oh shit. Now the creatures, like creature set it on fire and uh, now he's trying to cover up his tracks. Um, I actually completely forgot what was going to happen in this scene uh, because <laughs> I was looking good. down, That's taking good. a note and I look up and then the creature is up on the car. I'm like, oh wait, shit, I forgot. I forgot about this part. Yeah, uh, this was one of the better sequences in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like that it's partially set up, um, again, through lines of dialogue and a little bit of clever uh, editing. Because um, when, when we find the crusty bits on the car door, uh, we hear what sounds like like leathery wings. Like We hear like a flapping noise. And then Trish kind of like looks off into the distance, and we get this crane shot zooming out from her. And nothing happens, but we heard something that sounded like flapping. Mm-hmm. And then she was alerted to something, um, but also the the again pointing to the fact that this is a movie, um, the the dialogue exchange in the cars here is actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. They do this really neat shot where we get to see the action in both cars because the cops are uh, trailing behind them, uh, like escorting them, I guess. And uh, we have the camera set up on some sort of rig where we're driving parallel to these two cars, and we actually like slide back and forth between the two cars in a single take mm-hmm. it's like you did not have to do that but yeah. you you did but you did and i appreciate it <laughs> but um the detail that i was pointing to is um i think trish actually makes she actually like direct quote says maybe he can leap tall buildings with a single bound it's like mm. <laughs> if you're saying it yes he can <laughs> but um it kind of leads into how the next scene plays out um, so like he said, the church is on fire, and the cops are like, oh, that's strange. And then we hear a sound uh, from up on top of the cop car. And a lady cop in the passenger seat, she uh, she gets out the window. And also, um, she. <laughs> so it, after we hear the noise on top of the car, we get a repeat of uh, the rear windshield thing, where uh, we get to see uh, our brother and sister driving. And through the w- rear windshield, we see the creeper standing on top of the cop car. Again, though, he's blurry, um, but we, the viewer, see it, and no one else sees it. Um, but yeah, Lady Cop, she gets out of the passenger window to take a peek up top, and uh, she gets yanked out the window. Yeah. Um, not certain exactly what happened to her, but um, it, if she did not tuck and roll, she did. <laughs> and uh, you want to tell us what happens to Eyebrows Cop, though? I will tell you what happens to Eyebrows Cop right after I tell you about the cinematographer for this film. Uh, the cinematographer for this, for this film has a few directing, a few producing credits, but he is the cinematographer from Ultraman, the ultimate hero Blu-ray box, uh, 1993-1994. Oh, see, that was the, uh, I think that was the Ultraman show that did not get aired. Mm. Um, that was the American Ultraman TV show that, um, that was around the time when they were trying to make Ultraman a more international figure, because before that they had an Australian Ultraman. Um, but that one, if I remember right, that was the American one that they made the entire series, didn't air it in America. <laughs> uh, this gentleman also worked uh, as a camera and electrical department for a little ja- a little uh, James Cameron film called Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Holy fuck. Yeah. What is this gentleman's name? Uh, his name is Don E. Fauntleroy. Uh, he is done. vaguely familiar. He has done a lot of not good Steven Seagal movies as well. I mean, he's done a lot of not good movies, like cinematography-wise. Um, 
Let me look at his directing credits real quick, because that's interesting. Um, we're just sitting here talking about uh, uh, T2. I'm like, well, this guy worked on that film. Um, Lightspeed? What the hell is that? Mm, don't know it. <laughs> okay. It looked like something you would know. Uh, but sorry. Anyway, so yeah. So yeah, Eyebrows Cop, which did you notice that they both mentioned? Like, he doesn't even look like a cop. Like, he's way too handsome to be a cop, which I thought was kind of funny. Well, his uh, eyebrows are decidedly plucked for sure yeah <laughs> uh but yeah his his partner gets pulled out and then all of a sudden uh this thing punches a hole through the uh this, this thing has the ability to punch holes by the way punches a hole through the uh car and ah fucking slices his head off uh and um it's kind of cool how it, like they like um it it jumps on the car and like you can see him standing on the car behind them, which is kind. Of, I thought it was kind of funny. This is where this is where the movie kind of turns into a kind of a horror comedy for me. This next scene especially, um, but yeah, and they're driving and uh, I think they get rammed and then the, uh, the the head gets thrown onto their car. Yeah, and... uh, it needs to be said the actual severing of the head is done off screen. Um, I disagree with that, but it's a it's a directorial decision. Um, it, it's a, it's a thing that he chose to do. Um, personally, I would have liked to have seen that, but yeah, we don't see the severing of the head. We just hear the slice. But yeah, he he pitches his head onto their uh, onto the hood of their car, and it bounces off the windshield as well. And both cars spin out because hey, guess what? Nobody's driving the cop car at this point. Um, and uh, Trish kind of like gets out of the car after a, a moment of stillness, and uh, she starts making a move towards the cop car and yelling like, "Are you okay? Are you in there?" And we, the viewers, see uh, the creeper is just, I guess he just hopped in the car. He's just yeah. camping out in there. Um, well, and that's... we see that he has long white hair. And yeah, he, he looks like Doc Brown. <laughs> he looks yeah, he like does Doc look Brown like Doc Brown. He, he looks exactly like Doc Brown from behind. Well, this was uh, this was interesting because uh, when, when they slam on the brakes, the cop car slams on its brakes too. So they both kind of like skid at the same time. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. That cop car would just like, keep going. <laughs> And then yeah. this next scene, like, oh, he was sitting in the car. That's why. Um, yeah, she, uh, um, Trish, Trisha, she's walking up to the uh, to the car, and she realizes, uh, it's not him. It's not Snowflake. And the car door opens, and Derry's like, get back over here, goddammit. They get back in the car. And I like it, how they, they're, like, they're turned around in the front seat, watching out the back window. Uh, and this was... It's kind of eerie. It's one of those things where they they're showing the creature a little bit too much, but for the movie, I think it's fine. It, it works out just fine. But yeah, he uh, he walks over to the head that's in the middle of the road while whistling, which at this point, like we don't really know what we're dealing with. Like we haven't we've seen pieces of him. We can clearly tell that he is some kind of uh, some kind of monster because he's flying and punching holes through cars. Um, <laughs> And he picks up the head, and uh, this is really weird. He's doing good hand acting. Did you notice that with his... Uh, Kyle is doing uh, the Kevin Peter Hall Predator mask. Exactly. Thank you. Thank fingers. you. Yes. He's doing those fingers, and he's just... Like, getting some really creepy smells on this head. Yeah, so it needs to be said, um, detail that we glossed over was um, when the clothes were ransacked from their car... Um, 
Justin Long's clothes, by the way, his dirty clothes, which uh, his sister pointed out are stinky. In fact, she put a air freshener in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he did uh, the Calvin Klein thing. He wrote his name on his underwear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he even knows my name, man. Yeah, why did you put your name <laughs> but, in your underwear? Yeah, I didn't know that was an actual thing. But um, anyway, uh, the, what came from that scene, the detail that we were supposed to get from that is that scent is important mm-hmm. uh, to this creature. Um, so one of the waitresses who witnessed um, the ransacking of the vehicle, she says, yeah, some weird guy was sniffing, like sniffing your clothes and looked like he was enjoying it. And that's exactly what we get to witness the creeper doing here with the severed head. Um, needs to be said, uh, the way he's lit here, he has this nice like halo of light around his silhouette. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only shot from behind and in profile, so we can't get any real details yet. So we've seen him head to toe on camera. Um, but not in detail, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, although, I think it would have been perhaps a little more neat if they had continued like the POV shots. And like you said, our two characters are watching this through their car windshield or the rear windshield anyway. Um, however, the shot of him fondling this head is shot in like a static profile shot, mm-hmm. which doesn't match their viewpoint at all. Um, so I think it could have been interesting to like witness all of this from a distance from their POV, it like c- maybe through like the grime of the windshield or something. It c- I understand where you're coming from. However, this is another moment in horror movie history where this was one of the craziest things I'd seen on screen. Uh, uh, you want to talk about it, Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this was a, this was scenes that my friends told me about before they watched it. They're like, before I watched it, they're like, you gotta watch this movie, dude. He fucking tongue he tongue fucks this this dude's head. I'm like, Jeepers Creepers, really? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, he picks up the head and he's kind of uh, he, he's smelling the back of the head because he flips the head around and he smells it. And they're both like wide eyed, like, what the hell is he gonna do now? And it looks like he's making out with it at first. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh. Well, come to find out. Uh, he is biting the tongue. He is eating the tongue. <laughs> That's enough. Like, as soon as he picked up the head, I'm like, we've got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but they stick around to see what he does. And Justin Long is like, we go, 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 go. Get out of here. Um, and uh, we need to talk about the car because, I mean, no horror movie would be, you know, complete without a car that doesn't work very well. The car never <laughs> doesn't work. It just doesn't work in a timely fashion. Uh, it's a stick shift that has, you know, that has that problem. Um, and I think it's also we, a classic car as well. Yeah, it's, it's a classic. A weird, weird detail, but it's it was, a, again, a directorial choice of some sort. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, he... Uh, he's ripping the tongue out, and then they she just fucking steps on the gas, and they get out of there. Yeah. Um, um, actually, I want to stop you for some, one second, uh, just in case you were planning on skipping it, because I thought this oh, was the funniest part of the movie. I was, wasn't going to um, skip it. Um, we cut to the creeper um, throwing the cop bodies in the back of his truck, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought this was the funniest bit in the whole movie. Um, so the the shot is from the interior of the truck facing outwards, and. Um, so he opens the doors and he throws the bodies in and then he shuts the doors and so we're in complete darkness for a couple of seconds and then the door reopens and he pitches the head in there just yeah. very casually <laughs> just like oh forgot something <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> it was uh, pretty fucking good yeah yeah I liked it uh, yeah. I think Sam Raimi would have I, I could just 
having that like fucking Dave Batista just like that laugh. I feel like Sam Raimi watching it would like that part. Well, if Sam Raimi directed that scene, he would he would make sure that um, when that head bounces, it makes a squishy noise of some sort, like a, mm. <laughs> like a cartoonish squishy noise. Um, That's what this movie's have... missing. Bruce Campbell would have been a perfect, like, uh, funny, like the cop. If he just would have been that cop character, just sitting there, like, staring at him with his Bruce Campbell face. Oh, missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. No, Bruce Campbell would fit right in in this kind of movie. Perfect. Um, in yeah. fact, I'm kind of amazed he didn't pop up in any of the sequels. Um, well, he, he's above that. He's, he's above, above that Bruce, now. Yeah. I don't think he would have been above it above this. I think this is this is done well enough that you could you could have done some Bruce Campbell here. Like, come on, man! I got Spider-Man movies to do. <laughs> Listen, I need two hundred thousand dollars and I need a case of beer. Can you take care of that for me? <laughs> um. So we we go speeding down the road and we arrive at an overgrown farmhouse. Um, because Trish wants to use the phone. This is fucking stupid. No, 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 no. Don't stop. Keep driving fast. Do not you stop. You have a full tank, man. Yeah. Yeah, you have a full tank. Keep <laughs> driving. Yeah. Um, and Derry is flipping out uh, for exactly, for precisely the reason that Kyle is. Um, however, they, they get out. Trish has her way. And uh, we, we walk over to this house to the, a screen door because, yeah, it's that kind of town. Um, I like this sequence. This week, I really like this sequence. Yeah, maybe you should take the reins on describing what happens here, then, because I didn't, I didn't know how I felt about this. I think that uh, the lighting does a good. Jo- I think they do a good job of the lighting here, and it kind of, it, it's it's an eerie scene. It's not scary to me now, but at the, when I watched it originally, I'm like this was an eerie scene. The way they have the lady, so there's a lot of stillness that you don't get in these kinds of movies very often. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a tense scene. So they they get to this house, and uh, it's always nice when you have um, a character who is uh, not bad, but you have like kind of a an off feeling with. And this is one of those characters. And she answers the door. She's like, "Are you here to take my cats?" And you can't see the woman's face. You just see like this kind of kind of crazy frizzy hair. And her house is pretty dark, but it's kind of lit behind her. But there's no, like, porch lights or anything. Like, there's no light around her house. And she doesn't have any neighbors or anything. She's asking about her cats. And there's, uh, I read on the IMDb that uh, they got all these cats to get really close to the window, like, the screens by putting tuna tuna juice on it. Or sardine oil, as, uh, as Carol Baskin would say. Um, but, yeah, they... Um, She's like talking to them about the cats, like yeah, and like, uh, do you have a phone? Can you stop talking about cats? And uh, she's like, yeah, I, I got, uh, got a phone or whatever. And she mentions something. She's like, do you guys have somebody else with you? And they're like, no. And I, I would like this. She's like, because that's not my scarecrow. So we actually, when we pulled up to the house, we saw a scarecrow there, and now she's looking at it. It's very clearly him standing completely still, which is really creepy. Uh, in front of it you can just see his silhouette uh and she comes back with a double barrel shotgun <laughs> she she is not fucking around she's like you got 10 seconds to get out of here i'm gonna shoot you um this was weird though um she shoots the gun and i think the scarecrow just explodes and he he's like up in the air and on the house in a split second yeah um i think this was meant to be a demonstration of like how he's able to just appear like mm-hmm. like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees he 
he doesn't teleport. He's just incredibly fast when he well, needs to be. It makes sense in these in this kind of movie because he has yeah, the ability no, to Yeah, I fly. mean, he's an otherworldly being. Yeah. It's like you can you can literally have him do anything and it'll justify itself just because he's unexplainable. He's mm-hmm. otherworldly. But uh, <laughs> I like how she did a uh, she pulled a home alone. Um, <laughs> one, two. Ten, because <laughs> that was not a ten count. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, and then he goes into the house, and uh, she's like, "I'm gonna shoot his ass." And she goes inside, and they're like, "No, don't fucking do it." And she's like, "Get fucked! I'm going in there." And uh, this is pretty good. It, it gets quiet, and then you hear bam, bam, like two really loud gunshots. And I mean, you're 50 minutes into the movie, so you know that she's dead because uh, <laughs> that did not do anything but this was pretty cool so they we get back to so we've seen her face now when she comes out of the house but now we have that silhouette again of just her standing there and she's not moving or saying anything and this is pretty neat kind of a michael myers move but uh the creature has stabbed her in the back and she's actually off the ground and he just kind of moves in slowly, and you can see from her face that she's in extreme pain. Like her, she's got kind of crazy eyes. That was the thing about her, but now she's got like this, like horrific face on her. And I thought this scene was pretty good. I thought I, I liked it. Okay, I mean it. It is pretty tense because her dialogue is sparse. Like she's not a motor mouth. She just like there's a lot of pauses in between her lines, and mm-hmm. we don't know where we stand with her, and. Um, like you said, her having the frizzy hair and the way she's lit, it called, and the fact that he has frizzy hair, mm-hmm. um, it calls into question. It's like, oh fuck, is that going to be him or something? Like, yeah. he could, it could easily be one or the other in the right lighting conditions. But um, fifty-seven minutes in, when he carries her out to the screen door, is when we get a full face reveal of the mm-hmm. creeper, and it doesn't disappoint. No, this is a very unique, very, very intriguing design. Like and it, it it brings it puts a lot of questions in your head like huh like the construction of his face is really weird um i don't know what like what would cause that form to come about because like his jowls almost look like a deep sea fish of some sort mm-hmm. and he has rows of pointed teeth his skin is like it's like tar colored but like kind of olive green um then he has all these spines like lining the lining his head um and then of course he has the dark brown hair in the back it's like wow that's i can't say i've ever seen anything that looks like that no and yeah he is an undertaker duster so (laughs) so, um but yeah as soon as he comes into frame and you know we get his full head in the frame uh he smiles (laughs) yeah and uh he tosses the lady aside and uh he steps to our heroes and uh this is where uh we get our indescribably lame stuff though so like within a minute of the full face reveal and you know all the potentialities that come with that all the, like the like the oh man wow he looks kind of cool all of a sudden we get some 2001 wire gags yeah um, and we get a sequence where i really liked where uh they they make a run at him with the car and uh unfortunately he gets on his wire rig and he backflips off the hood of the car mm-hmm. um jet lee style <laughs> um i did like his pacing back and forth like invite inviting them to take another run at him like that was cute in like a in like a predator sort of way where it's like mm-hmm. he's, he's definitely challenging them he's toying um, with them yes uh, and it's kind of neat especially later in the film where it becomes 
where it becomes like canon that he he kind of does enjoy playing with his food a little bit mm-hmm. um but we have to do it again we have to do another goofy wire gag where he like bounds off of the car and it zips past them but um finally finally thankfully we we bring all that nonsense to his an end as a uh, trish goes sarah connor on him and gets mean mm-hmm. um she she actually like is like channeling linda hamilton here for mm-hmm. sure um but uh she intentionally grinds the gears of the car which as you had pointed out it it's it's finicky to begin with but here she's doing it on purpose to like bait him like make it make a bad noise and make it seem like she can't move the car so he like makes a run at them and uh she gets the jump on him and uh he he rolls over the windshield so he actually takes this hit the right way yeah (laughs) like he takes this car hit exactly the way you should but what's really bizarre is he goes straight up into the air (laughs) and uh he has some like tools so we saw an axe earlier but he also has like knives apparently which yeah bounce off of the car because he's airborne at this point but then he bounces off the trunk of the car and rolls off and uh we have a fun line here where Justin Long asks, is he dead? And she just kind of like grits her teeth and says, they never are. They never are. <laughs> God, I want to watch Terminator 2 so bad. <laughs> I feel like you say that every episode. I, I, it's all I can think. I still haven't itched it. I still haven't itched that scratch. Oh. Scratch oh. that itch. Scratch that itch. Strike that. Reverse it. So yeah, Trish throws the thing in reverse and uh, repeatedly drives back and forth over the creeper who is laying in the middle of the road at this point. And I think it's like four or five passes she makes on this thing. Um, squishy squish. Uh, Derry stops her, though. Um, I'm not sure if that was wise, Derry. Like, you know, the way this thing moves and the, and the things it can do, just keep doing it, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's like, enough. We got it. We, we should stop. We should just leave. Um, and then we get to watch as the camera pans over the, the corpse of the creeper and it is smooshed and it is smoking. Um, and a couple of its limbs have been severed. They've been run over so harshly. Um, and yeah, we get some straight up bad CGI, um, in the form of a wing sprouting from its back. Um, which I don't, do you remember if, if it's uh, wings were advertised in the, fir- in the first film? No, I don't think they were. I don't think so, because I distinctly remember them being in the trailers for the second one. Um, but I, I seem to recall the wings being like a surprise in this one. Um, but yeah, this really janky CGI wing sprouts from its back, and it flaps about for a second and then goes limp. And uh, we run over him one more time as we speed off. And I uh, crossfade to the tree line of the Poho County Police Department. Um, and we get a interesting introduction to the scene in the form of a couple of cops escorting a repeat offender into lockup. Mm. And uh, we do like a tracking shot following this guy from like the front desk uh, through the rest of the precinct. And then it just so happens that he passes uh, Trish and Derry on, a, on the phone in there. Um, so that's like, oh, they're here. No wonder. It's like, I thought we were going to like start a new story about this guy um, but um she's calling mom uh, so she's on the phone with their mom and they're like oh no we'll be back home soon they seem awfully calm here um meanwhile Derry is examining the missing persons board and it is packed um which uh yeah that's not good um and then uh kyle uh our our resident psychic uh makes her debut in the film 
<laughs> and I know you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, this is bad. Uh, like I was saying, I like this. I like that this uh, character actor she gets to uh, not be her typecast self of just droning on lady. But yeah, she gives them some exposition, and it is a lot. Uh, basically, we learn that this thing is a demon. Uh, she is psychic. She's seen that um, one of them's gonna die. It's like it's got the scent of one of you. It, it feeds on people. It needs people to regenerate. I've never met it, but somehow I know about it. Uh, it's like once one of you. Yeah. Um almost one of her first lines when she walks in there is repetition of have you seen the cats yet it's <laughs> like i have bigger concerns lady um but yeah, i can i can do i actually wrote down pretty much everything she said because i do that um so she says every 23rd spring for 23 days it gets to eat and uh Justin Long replies with, you know what it eats and don't make me tell you, but <laughs> don't. Mm. And she, she mentions that it only eats certain things from certain people. Lungs, so it can breathe, and eyes, so it can see. And uh, cut to outside as we see the beating you truck pull up to the police station, and uh, the voiceover plays, her, her exposition plays over the scene, and she says, it all becomes a part of it. Whatever it eats becomes a part of it. It dresses like a man, but only to hide that it's not. You hurt it on the road, but only as much as it can be hurt. Uh, so that's not good. Yeah. Because um, it keeps on eating till it doesn't hurt no more. And then a uh, fun bit, we get to see the creeper get out of the truck, and it has a bad limp. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so its legs are not in a good way right now. And uh, Jez mentions that you've got something it likes, one of you. Uh, she doesn't tell us who. Um and it needs to scare you to get the scent of fear, something that it likes. So she's basically explaining that the reason why it's been fucking with you is because it's trying to decide what it wants from them, uh, because it's apparently very particular in its diet. And then, uh, sure enough, the lights cut out, and we mm -hmm. get emergency lights, um, because every horror-slash-sci-fi horror movie has to have emergency <laughs> lights. <laughs> yeah, I like the cop upstairs, the cop behind the desk. He's like, I got no lights up here! <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's quick with that, too. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> like, uh, I like the lighting throughout this sequence. The sequence is fine. Like, it, it, it has its moments. But uh, I, I really like, especially when they're in the room. I don't know what it is about that the, the way it's lit. I, I, it reminds me of something I can't put my finger on. But I really, really like that scene where, she, where he has dairy. Yeah, um, I think it, especially for a young person, it's a... We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. But um, there's some cool stuff that happens in between. Although, in a movie with a bigger budget, with a different tone, I think this is, you know, a, spoil a spoiled opportunity for a real set piece moment. Because yeah. we're in a police station. We have people on the run. We have two heroes on the run. Fucking Terminator, man! Like yeah. I can't, I can't not think of the Terminator where a monster is invading a police station to get to two victims. You know, it's like I wanted more, basically. Anyway, I like, um, I like when he goes down to the to the to the jail cells. I thought yes, this was good. This, I thought this was the best part of the sequence. Um, so we cut to the basement where everybody's in lockup and holding, basically, and uh, we have a cop 
inspecting everyone, like saying, show me some skin. <laughs> like, yeah. So he, he just wants to make sure that he's getting a head count, basically. So he's touring the cells and he has a flashlight and he's shining it on the on all the inmates and whatnot. The one inmate, the second inmate, or the first inmate is the guy that they they brought in at the beginning of the scene. The second inmate, you don't see his face, but he gives him the finger. And uh, I like I like these I like when cops like this have a good sense of humor because he just kind of takes it like oh you rascal. Uh, <laughs> well, clearly this is this is something he's comfortable with. Yeah, like he he lives down here, but but continue. Um, yeah, yeah uh, so there's this really neat part though where he gets to the end of the row of cells and the bars have just been bent outward. Um, something forced its way in. I wonder what. Um, but what's really cool about the scene is we get to see it mostly from the perspective of the cop looking in. So we see the creeper naked now. We actually see its clothes strewn about on the floor, and then we see blood all over the place. And it's like squatting in the middle of one of the cells, and we see a body laid out in front of it. So its body is kind of obscuring most of the details of what it's doing. Um, but we get a couple of close-ups showing that... Um, whatever victim this is you know whatever prisoner is missing a leg and an arm um, both of which we had seen earlier the creeper had lost um, and jez pretty much through her exposition dump made it known that everything that it takes in becomes a part of it so it's like hmm, it's missing an arm and a leg. maybe it needs a new arm and a leg um, i really but, like the the two guys that are in the cell with him i like the first guy's fine second guy's fine he gets to the third guys and they're both like ghost white just like well, they're, they're flattened terrifying. up against the wall. Yeah. Like, they're just, you know, they're confined, but they're trying to create as much distance as yeah. possible. I thought that was really um, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. If I don't move, maybe it won't see me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's what totally makes the scene, in my opinion, anyway, aside from the restraint, like, most of the details of, of the gore and stuff are obscured, what really makes is the audio. Um, mm-hmm. Because the whole time as it's feasting, and it's like, it's, bent over this this body on the ground um, we hear a tinking sound because the body's convulsing because the, the guy's still alive as it's eating him and mm-hmm. part of him is rattling against the, the bars of the cage and it's That's like good. and there's no music or anything and the cop isn't like screaming or anything so we just hear this ting 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 and it's mm-hmm. really unsettling uh, you know on top of the noises of it eating um and the way it eats in particular is also unsettling because despite having many, many rows of teeth, um, it eats like a bird. Yeah, I was going to say, it eats um, like a seagull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it swallows. So it takes big chunks and it just kind of, oh, oh, oh. And we get to see it from behind. Go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like choke something down. My, fr- my friend, uh, my friend Abel, uh, he had never seen a seagull eat before. And he was and uh, he was explaining it to me. He's like, dude, I saw those seagull down here, like just right off the boat, and there was a whole hot dog in the bun, on the ground, and he just picked it up and like, and he did the impression of the bird, <laughs> just housing <laughs> it. it so funny watching him like come to that realization. Like that's how they eat. Like yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? Just like the fuck <laughs> well seagulls are not thought of as very intelligent birds but if you want to see some crazy shit some like actually maybe even straight up horrifying shit or at least i thought it was horrifying watch a pelican eat another bird yeah that's, that's fucking crazy terrifying. shit that's terrifying you ever <laughs> notice that the the seagulls in seattle the ones that are near fast food restaurants are like oh, 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> breathing through their mouths like they're so fat. They don't fly oh. much. <laughs> oh god, are you got done with that quarter pound? Are you gonna finish the quarter pound? Oh, you just got that extra fry. Just let me get that extra fry. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna lay down, dude. The 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 seagulls in in port cities near fast food restaurants are basically pigeons. They don't go very far. <laughs> they don't fly very far. Uh, you should have a nature program, Kyle. Urban mysteries of of the animal kingdom. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, cut back to Jez upstairs, and uh, she's like kind of hysterical at this point she says he finds you hiding in a room that's not helpful jez <laughs> she does mention that it preys on fear i think yeah she when she when she's doing her big spiel about how it's how it behaves and what it wants she says that yeah she she needs to like scare you to get your scent basically mm-hmm. so it, um you put out pheromones or whatever when you're scared but um she starts she starts singing the jeepers creepers song which I, I'm sorry. That's a thankless job as an actor to to be asked to sing that on screen yeah. and like try to make it a serious moment. It's like mm, that's cringeworthy. But um, she the reason why she starts singing it is because she heard it while someone she doesn't say who was screaming the last scream they'll ever scream. Um, and then cut to one of the other cops and uh, the radio comes to life. Uh, so this is the front desk cop and. Uh, we we get some very 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 economical filmmaking here because we get to see a whole bunch of cops upstairs spring into action um, because somebody downstairs is describing to us via audio only what this thing is doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get all this radio chatter of oh man it's bouncing off the walls it's crawling on the ceiling man I don't know what kind of body armor this thing has but we can't put it down. <laughs> it's like, it would be nice to fucking see that. Yeah, it's right. a movie. Show. Don't tell. Jesus. Um, but yeah uh, this is a very clever way to save a buck and uh, we do hear some shot. we hear shots from downstairs and we're all like posted up there and uh couple of brave souls uh with weapons by the way they uh, they approach the staircase and uh looks like everything's all clear we haven't seen the monster uh but somehow it, it attacks from above like it it does a it does a brom stoker's dracula or a batman here <laughs> a batman begins and uh we get a kind of neat bit where it uh grabs this cop this nameless cop and it tears a hole through his chest a it tears his heart out um jez had mentioned that that she doesn't think it can be killed because it's eaten it its heart can't stop because of it's eaten too many hearts Mm. like it basically has unlimited lives it has a game shark or a game genie or whatever you want to call it Um, but we get this really cool special effect bit where uh everybody's shining flashlights on this poor guy and we get to see the light shining through his torso and out the back and it looks good. It looks like, good. There's not a bad aspect to it. Do you ever have moments in movies where you have a quote from another movie to react to? Like, to, to have a reaction in the film? Because when I saw the whole, I thought of uh, Keanu Reeves in Point Break when Roach is dying up in the up in the plane. But when I saw the whole, I'm like, you're going to be dead soon. <laughs> because he just basically was punched through the heart. Oh, Kyle, that would be great if one of the cops in the back just kind of like pokes his head out. You're going you're gonna to be, be dead soon. You're cold <laughs> because all the blood is running out of your body. <laughs> and then the guy falls down. <laughs> Told you. I fucking hated Roach, dude. I'm glad he's dead. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we get to hear, not see, but we get to hear the, the creeper swallowing the heart. And then all the cops, for no real reason, they don't have a target. They yeah. just start shooting upstairs. All the lights <laughs> look like a fucking requiem for a dream. Oh, you haven't seen that yet. No. <laughs> you won't get that joke, but you will one day. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. That was inappropriate. Someday. Someday. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I have sniffing around on as my <laughs> Sniffing around. <laughs> There's a lot of that towards do, the end of this movie. Do we get a wall walk? I missed the wall walk. Oh, you did miss the wall walk. Yes, I there is the a wall, wall walk. God damn it. Oh, I love man. the wall you walk. You missed a good wall walk? There aren't that many wall walks in movies. No, Alien and... But maybe it's Aliens, Aliens has, I think, my favorite. Uh, yeah. But that's more of a wall bound. That's like yeah, bounding so. off of walls. Not so much walking. Oh, no, no, we get some ceiling and some wall walking. There's some aliens. Um, we get some very similar looking uh, wire-assisted wall walking in Spider-Man 3 um, via Venom. And most Spider-Man movies feature wall walking of some sort. Though usually well. that involves wire, like camera trickery rather than wire rigs and whatnot. But man... This guy likes his wires. I don't. Yeah. I haven't seen the other Jeepers Creepers movies or any of his other movies for that matter. But if I see wires in those movies, I will not be surprised. I remember um, the wall walk being pretty good. I'm actually going to pull up a clip of it now. It's not bad. Um, it looks pretty solid. Um, but the way we get to the wall walk is we, um, Jez and our our brother and sister, um, we come to a locked emergency door, and everybody gets pissed at Jez. Um, uh, Justin Long actually gets kind of handsy with her. He like he does the thing. Um, what was it? Uh, was it Billy Madison? Yeah. Or, uh, where he, the fat kid he grabs yeah. the kid by the cheek. Cherish yeah. it yeah. for the love of God. Shaking him. Yeah. <laughs> he like Justin Long totally does that to Jez. He shakes her head. Um, or this grown ass woman. Um, because he he demands to know like you saw someone scream their last scream but you haven't told us who and there's only two of us so he, he really wants to know for some reason and uh she looks at trish but she doesn't reply and uh trish meanwhile is like she's full of shit even though she's apparently psychic and has been yeah. accurate in every prediction she's made <laughs> um but anyway the wall walk happens here as jez like ushers the kids out of the room and uh she goes down on her knees to pray um and then we get a fun bit where uh, as she looks up, the creeper's gone. Um, so I'm guessing the way they did this, they probably yanked him up into the ceiling so he wouldn't be in the frame by the time the camera tilted up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we we cut to a close-up angle, like head-on of her, and she's like, oh, well, I guess he's gone. Um, and then his hand comes down on top of her head from behind, and then he stands mm-hmm. up into the frame, and he uh, he takes some deep sniffs. Yeah, He smells her, but he doesn't like it. <laughs> she doesn't smell like anything he wants. Uh, so he takes off, and then we get to essentially the finale of the movie, and uh, this surprisingly barren room. It looks yeah. almost it looks stagey. Like, it's an interrogation like, like a play. room. Yeah, it's it, it's an interrogation room. Although, why the fuck would you put a big window in your interrogation room? That's a good point. Um, that's not wise. <laughs> um, it kind of made me think a little bit of uh, the David Cronenberg uh, Fly movie when Jeff Goldblum uh, jumps into the the clinic. When uh, Gina mm-hmm. Davis is uh, being examined towards the end of that movie, anyway, it it is an interrogation room, but it's surprisingly barren. Like there's just a table in the middle of the room, and that is it. But it's a huge room, um, and like I said, it feels almost like a a stage that you would have a play on or something. But there's a two way mirror in there, 
and we get a really fun bit where Trish goes up to it and she's like trying to I think she suspects it's a two-way mirror so she gets up close to it to see if maybe she can see through it and uh, the camera pulls back kind of like in a uh, Batman 89 um, <laughs> not to reveal not a security camera but the creeper mm-hmm. and he's kind of like coveting them from behind the glass and um, it's kind of neat because we can't hear anything from his perspective we hear him like like breathing heavily and like getting horny apparently yeah um but we can't hear anything from the siblings as we watch them like start to get physical with each other so apparently they're freaking the fuck out yeah we don't hear any of it which is kind of a neat touch um but yeah uh he kicks the door open like he terminators the fuck in there or no more accurately i guess robocops his way in he throws (laughs) his whole body in there basically yeah i'm the juggernaut bitch yeah Uh, or don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch. But yeah, uh, he kicks the door down, and they have nowhere to go. And uh, keeping keeping with that line of thinking, um, he just like makes a run straight at them. They don't even fight back. He just grabs them both by the throat and puts them in the corner. Um, and yeah, uh, he starts sniffing and licking both of them. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I was kind of alluding to this earlier that it's like as a young person in particular, I think this particular t- kind of violation is probably really scary. Mm-hmm. Like you're like anybody with a personal bubble of some sort, like having having this kind of violation is is really horrifying in some ways. Yeah. Like a person that's a per- like a stranger or let alone a monster getting way too close to you and invading your space is is horrifying in in not like a I don't know, thinking of like potential for physical harm sort of way, but just like, oh my God, like I like every boundary I have is being crossed right now and I can't do anything about it. Um, but yeah, the cops break in with riot gear and assault rifles and whatnot. And uh, the creeper pitches Trish aside and decides it wants dairy. Uh, so it's got him in, in like some sort of chokehold of some sort. It's using him as a human shield. And uh, this is where we get like the, I guess it's final form reveal. Um, mm-hmm. So it has these like claws on its head. They're like webbed claws uh, on the sides of its head and on top that uh, kind of spread out. out. Yeah. Like a frill almost, but on top of its head, not around its neck like a Jurassic Park Dilophosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it screams and its head wigs the fuck out. And uh, we get this pretty tense sequence where Trish is like locking eyes with the thing and getting real close, close to it and trying to bargain with it. Like take me, not him. Like I, I'll, I won't fight you. I'll, I'm, I'm the one you want. And uh, in a slightly shocking turn of events, uh, it doesn't work. No, <laughs> it does not work. Uh, the creeper decides, no, I, I know what I want. <laughs> and uh, it blows out the window and it flies out into the night sky. And we get one final bad glimpse of CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it. bad. Yeah. It takes off into the night sky, and we get to see it lit by the moonlight. And it's like, hmm, maybe just put the sound of wings flapping and, and Justin Long screaming. I don't know if I need yeah. to see that. But yeah, Trish gives chase, and the camera pulls up from her on another crane shot, similar to the one we saw earlier. Um, I did like that uh, the way she's framed here, something about the, the type of ground that she's standing on. I don't know if it's just asphalt or whatever, but something about the way it's lit, it almost looks like she's standing in just like a blank void mm-hmm. it's just her and darkness and it's it, very it's very I, appropriate i think the road that she's standing on it makes it does look like she's just standing in void uh 
yeah, that's 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 true. Uh, I wondered. So I was like, well, why don't why aren't they following him back to the church? That's where all the bodies are. But the, to forgot the church has been burned down. Uh, so they literally have nowhere to, I guess, follow him. I don't. She could have maybe gotten to a car and tried to follow him, but she kind of just watches him fly away. Well, I think I think the way it flies, it's faster than the truck, and the track, yeah. the truck was already faster than the car, because um, the the flight thing was is a nice surprise in that it allows it to just appear wherever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they don't show any evidence of the fact that it actually can fly until we see that wing sprout. Um, yeah, uh, we crossfade to the morning at the precinct. Uh, Jez tells Trish that her parents are there uh, to pick her up. Um, and Trish tries to ask Jez what happened to her brother. And uh, Jez deflects and she just w- shakes her head and says, oh, I'm just a crazy old woman. It's like, oh, well, thanks for nothing, lady. <laughs> yeah. You did literally nothing in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Trish steps outside. Um, presumably to take off with her parents and she sees a crow and uh, we get a lingering shot of this crow and we cross fade to another crow in flight arriving at a factory of some sort wherever the fuck i don't know where uh from the set of the texas chainsaw uh remake because that looks exactly like uh the meat processing plant that she and that jessica beale ends up in at the end of that movie um i really like this uh I like this closing scene, this closing sequence. This is one of those, this has like comedy moments to it, but it also has like really good horror, like good horror moments. You mentioned the one in the jail cell where you hear the tink, 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 tink. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Uh, We're going through this, uh, we just kind of have these, we're just taking shots of this abandoned factory and uh, we're just getting like a few like, just kind of zooming in, not zooming in. We're just kind of like walking through, almost. It feels like see this room a little bit, and uh, over you're starting to hear some screaming or like some noise, and you can hear somebody who is in agony. Um, I really, it's it's hard to do well, in my opinion. I've I've heard it, I've heard people try to do it well, like being like screaming in pain. One of them is either Final Destination two or three. There's a scene where a guy is burning alive. And the actor is screaming in the scene. It, it is fucking haunting. Like, it is... It's terrifying. Um, this is up there. Uh, I don't know if this is... Ju- I think it might actually be Justin Long uh, doing the it screaming. Is. It, it is? is? Okay. I wasn't sure. It's good. It's pretty terrifying. I have to hand it to him. Like, it it adds eeriness to it because he is being tortured or and or killed. I mean, speaking as a, as a person who enjoys watching justin long suffer um <laughs> i mean i've seen him take wrenches to the face <laughs> i've seen him turned into a walrus man <laughs> and i've seen him at the end of this movie so i've i've seen justin long in agony and yeah he he's an actor he can do it mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I really love the set dressings here um the, i love the water pouring from the ceiling and all the piping and whatnot and like cobwebs and uh, the exterior of the building has crows everywhere. Um, but yeah, we do these like slow, just like tracking shots, like pushing deeper and deeper into this factory. And finally, like our final shots of the movie, um, we arrive in like the creeper's workshop, his new workshop, because he, we see that he brought all his shit with him. He's really um, buffalo billing down there. Very much so. Um, what's kind of funny, though, is that he brought all his shit. But in moving it, he didn't even bother to sweep away the cobwebs. No. Because, like, the cobwebs are back and everything. Um, but, yeah, the final shot, uh, 
traces along Justin Long's preserved body. Um, and the way we know even before we see his face, or at least what's left of it, is that uh, we see his belly button has the same rose tattoo that we had seen earlier. So the camera is like kind of gliding up his torso. And we see that tattoo and we're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, my trained ear, again, I've listened to Justin Long suffer enough that I, I know what his screams sound like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, by the time we get up to his head, we see that two holes have just been like, two, two circular holes have just been pushed through his entire head where his eyes used to be. So we can see out the back of his head. And uh, we zoom into one of the eye holes, and uh, the creeper stands up behind and looks directly into the camera. And uh, it needs to be noted that the creeper had gray eyes mm-hmm. uh, throughout the entire film, but now we have a Justin Long-ish uh, brown eye staring back at us. And the <laughs> credits. <laughs> oh man, you know how close this was to being a new metal horror movie? Just like at, like two years away from being a new metal horror movie. Oh, just like a little nudge here, a little yeah. cut there. It would be exactly that. <laughs> it was so um, close. So close. <laughs> but yeah, th- this is a fun little movie. Yeah. Um, to the point that's like, you know, if you if you said you wanted to watch the sequels, I think I would. Okay. Uh, just just out of curiosity. I don't expect anything from them. No. I, Especially I think, that third one, which came out like a decade after the second one. It came out in 2017. I mean... Jesus, wow. that's uh, like fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious. The um, the ratings definitely whew, just plummet <laughs> after this one. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said at the top, I'm like, in a way, this one holds up. Um, I think yeah, you're right. It's done really well. Um, I think the things that were like going back and that we were talking about, things that were silly now, I think were just as silly back then. Um, but I think that because it ages well i can overlook that and be like yeah i i would probably revisit this again in 10 years <laughs> maybe five i don't know i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'll be 41 and watching jeepers creepers that seems i feel like i'm doing different things at that point i hope so kyle <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um i mean this is a fun creature feature in that it 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 has a lot of the stuff that i like in that you know we have some mythology built around the thing we get to we have a lot of visual storytelling. Um, I feel like the psychic lady um, mm-hmm. was was the easiest way to to get all that information relayed to our you know people in the cheap seats and whatnot, the mouth breathers. But um, <laughs> I I think it I could have done without that. Um, it, but they again, this is an it's an original horror property. It doesn't have any pre existing mythology to it which is kind of admirable when you think about it because yeah. that's hard to do man it is create, hard to do to create a horror franchise character and like, like i said like you could have found a better way to do the exposition or a way to explain the creature but the rest of the movie's pretty good that you can kind of let it slide it's like yeah you could have done it better but it's okay well i mean that's part of why i wouldn't i wouldn't mind watching at least the second one yeah just because the second one i guarantee you had more money to work with and like I said, the conclusion of this film was apparently pushed into the second one because they didn't have the finances to do what they wanted to do. Um, and also because of the, that mythology aspect, because that groundwork has already been laid down, it's like, oh, now we can just have it do stuff. We can actually do all, we can just have it do things and we don't have to worry about the, the mouth breathers in the back, like not understanding, like, why do you do that? It's like, did you see the, f- 
it's called Jeepers Creepers 2. Why are you here? <laughs> it's like, it's 2. It was see kinda, the first one. <laughs> it was kind of nostalgic, too, seeing, like, the when you see the big, like, all the bodies on the walls. Like, I'm like oh, I remember that being so freaky when I saw it. But going back now and, like, the tink, the tink, 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 tink in the, in the jail, so I'm like, ooh, that's creepy. And then the screaming, I'm like, that those are good good horror moments. I, I appreciate well, Those that. are good horror moments that aren't explicitly, like, gory or violent or cruel. Um, yeah. Which, you know, you can do the Saw thing where you just, like, do horrible things to people and that's how you get a reaction for the audience or you can go for something more subtle i'm not saying that one is better than the other i i i think subtle i think if you can do it well i think subtlety makes for better horror i think universally like yeah it probably sticks with you more um just because it it, it's more personal in that you have to imagine yeah a, a lot of what happens and that you know creates a relationship between you and the product as opposed to something that's like just explicit imagery it's like oh well you know that's never going to happen to me i'm never going to be in a, a jigsaw trap or whatever hopefully. Yeah, i'm never going to have my eye uh blow torched out of my head hopefully <laughs> uh hostile <laughs> well i mean if if shawnee smith calls you up and wants to hang out just say no thanks it's <laughs> 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 like i loved you and becker click <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess this is the conclusion of uh, yeah. May is for Monsters Month. Um, not sure exactly what we're going to be doing next month, but I've got a couple of ideas that I'm going to kick your way. So um, more than likely, it'll be another event of some sort. Yeah. Um, and that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining us for May is for Monsters. Yeah. Uh, we'll catch you next